0: Gracious and loving God, thank you so much for the gift of your Son, through whom we see just how much you love us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We've all heard that phrase, lost in translation. If you've ever studied another language, you know how difficult it can be to translate an idea from one language to another. In English, for example, we say, she burned the midnight oil, whereas in Spanish, you'd say, se las seis cejas. Now, that Spanish phrase is not a direct translation of the word for oil. Rather it means, she burned her eyebrows. Now both phrases mean that someone stayed up late at night. One suggesting that you would need some extra oil in the lamp, and the other suggesting that maybe she got a little bit too close to the flame while reading or writing late at night. But neither of these phrases actually is about staying up late in any literal sense. You have to teach someone what this phrase means. And this gets even more complicated when it comes to biblical translation. We're going from biblical Hebrew and Greek, languages that are not even in the same linguistic family as our own. And it's not just the language that has to be translated, but also cultural norms and assumptions as well as historical happenings that need to be translated. A year ago, if I said January 6th, immediately some of us would have thought, well, that's the Feast of the Epiphany. Others would have just thought that's a random date in January. But after last year, those two words, January 6th, mean something completely different. Well, that happens all the time in Scripture. There are references all over the place to historical events that are not explained for readers 2,500 years later. And in the case of Hebrew, we are translating out of a worldview that knows nothing of the Western philosophical tradition that influences how we think. So even the categories that we bring to translation are not held in common. Now sometimes these translation issues can be rather funny. Consider some signs that people have noticed around the world in their travels. A sign in Romania reads, the elevator is being fixed for the next day. During that time, we regret that you will be unbearable. A clothing store in Hong Kong has, ladies may have a fit upstairs. A laundromat in Rome reads, leave your clothes here and spend the afternoon having a good time. Or a hotel in Mexico has, the manager has personally passed all the water served here. Now, these are funny, right? But we completely understand what they are trying to say. But there's a problem with translation. And if we were not fluent in English, those translations can lead to some pretty significant misunderstandings. And all of these difficulties are present in the first 18 verses of John, often called the prologue to the gospel. To translate is to interpret, and so there is a lot at stake when we translate words and phrases like, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, or the light shines in the darkness, or the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. I'm not going to, but it would be easy to talk for hours about all of the references and connotations that these phrases bring up. Translation is incredibly difficult, but also immensely important. Instead of drilling down into specific words or phrases and explaining the issues of translation, taking a cue from John, I want to zoom out and consider the big picture. What John is telling us is that this story of Jesus is a story all about translation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. In other words, in Jesus, God has translated heaven into humanity. Now, as we've already considered, translation is difficult. God is discernible in nature, yes, but those are more like whispers than declarations. God has spoken through the prophets, but the limits of human language are still a barrier to having a perfect translation. And so God became the translation when the Word took on flesh. In Jesus, heaven is translated perfectly into human. This is not a working translation. No, this is the holy grail of translation, where idea matches idea, concept matches concept, meaning matches meaning. When John writes, no one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart who has made him known. He's telling us that if you know Jesus, then you know the Father as well. Now, in any translation, and especially in a perfect one like the incarnation of Jesus, you have to be fluent in both languages. My English, I think, is pretty good. My Spanish is very rusty. And so if I were to translate Spanish this morning, it would barely be passable. But God speaks both perfect heaven and perfect human. And we need lessons in both of them. Now, we tend to think that we are pretty fluent in being human. After all, as a species, we've been doing this for about 200,000 years. Most of us have at least several decades under our belts. So if we are an expert in anything, wouldn't it be in being a human? Well, as we all know, experience does not always lead to fluency. Just because you watch the news in Korean doesn't mean that you can speak Korean. John opens with, in the beginning, which is an obvious link to the beginning of Genesis, which also starts with, in the beginning. And what we know from the creation poem that opens Genesis is that humanity is made in the image of God. That is what it means to be human, to be an image bearer of the divine. Because of the limitations of our humanity, though, and because of sin, we do not perfectly reflect that image in which we are made. We have distorted the image. So while we may have plenty of experience speaking broken human, we speak through the dialect of sin and we need some grammar lessons. And this is one half of what the incarnation is all about. God coming to us to teach us how to speak better human. Look at the human life of Jesus. Unlike nearly every other famous person in history, we don't have a single thing that he ever produced, not a single word that Jesus ever wrote down. No artwork, no buildings, no artifacts. When Jesus died, he had a couple dozen followers, just 12 disciples, one of whom denied him, one who betrayed him, and 10 who abandoned him even at his ascension after the resurrection scripture tells us that some doubted him jesus was born in poverty lived in poverty and he had to be buried in a borrowed tomb by every modern metric for human success jesus was a total failure And that tells us not that there was something wrong with Jesus, but rather there is something wrong with how we measure human success. Jesus' life was one of obedience and devotion to God, of spending time with the lowly, of seeking peace, of trust in God to provide, of proclaiming God's mercy, of truth-telling, of radical and costly love. Jesus' life was full of community, compassion, and centeredness in God. And this is why we need Jesus to be our language teacher, because he has so much to teach us about what it really means to be human. Now, to be sure, none of us will perfectly follow in his footsteps or speak quite as clearly as he did. But Jesus helps us to speak better human. After Jesus' arrest, someone comes up to Peter to accuse him of being associated with Jesus, and the evidence for that claim is that Peter had an accent that betrayed him. May that same accusation be made against us, that we have an accent of grace, mercy, and love in speaking human in the way that Jesus teaches us to. The other half of translation is that Jesus spoke perfect heaven. As John notes, he was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. As one of the great hymns of Christmas puts it, of the Father's love begotten, ere the worlds began to be, he is Alpha and Omega, he the source, the ending he. All things came into being through Christ the Word, and all things find their culmination in him. Because Jesus has always been with and in the Holy Trinity, it means that Jesus is fluent in the language of heaven, for he himself is the word, the language itself. Jesus has the mind to comprehend the peace that passes all human understanding. He has knowledge of all the mysteries of God. He lives beyond the limits of space, time, or materiality. But more than this, it's not like Jesus is just like the super version of Wikipedia that has a page on everything. No, Jesus is the answer to all things. This is why John notes that in Jesus we see the glory of God, full of grace and truth. Jesus does not know all things. Rather, all things are known in Jesus. All things, including our lives, find their fullest meaning in him. And so in coming to us, Jesus brings heaven, and he translates it into human. Because without Jesus, we would think that power is about being strong and mighty. But in him, we see power most fully on display at the cross. And we learn things like it is more blessed to give than to receive things like the last shall be first and your sins are forgiven and just as you did it to the least of these you did it to me and God so loves the world and blessed are the peacemakers and love one another to use a phrase I often turn to Jesus shows us the grain of the universe. It is a grain of love, mercy, and grace. This is the language of heaven, and Jesus translates it into a human life so that we can be confident of God's presence with us, of our forgiveness, of our eternal life in Christ. And the effect of this is that all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave power to become children of God, Another classic Christmas hymn includes the line, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray, cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. This is what God's translation in Jesus does. It makes us children of God so that we can grow up and learn to be bilingual. And as is the truth with learning any language, it takes a lot of practice. You will make some mistakes. At first, you will not sound fluent at all. So don't worry about that, just keep at it. And when you are learning a new language, sometimes you just have to memorize certain phrases so that you will know them by heart when you need them. So try to remember these phrases. I love you. I need help. I made a mistake, please forgive me. I forgive you here please take this god is with us all shall be well practice these phrases to help with your fluency i remember in seminary that on tuesdays there was a table in the refectory called the mesa espanol and if you wanted to practice your spanish you would sit there and the conversations would all be in spanish well the same thing applies in learning to speak better human and better heaven. The church is that Mesa Espanol for us. Scripture, sacraments, and the gathered body of Christ teach us how to speak heaven and how to speak human. And the church gives us a place and a people to practice with. Yes, come and see always applies but it's also come and hear and come and speak. By God's grace, we have been taught the language of God so that we can speak with the accent of love and peace on earth as it is spoken in heaven. In God's love, we are given example of a fully human life in Jesus. And in God's mercy, when we misspeak and use the wrong words in Christ, God has translated forgiveness to us. On Christmas, we celebrate the gift that the eternal word of God was translated into human so that we could be translated into heaven.